what's up guys? For this episode of My OCD Life, I will be talking to Bleh. I love penguins. As for this episode of My OCD Life, I'll be talking to an undocumented immigrant. That may seem kind of from left field, but when I met this person a while back, um, she really just humanized the issue of immigration for me. And even though I think we all may have various uh, political stance, stances on this, uh, humanizing our politics, I think, is a very important way of actually just seeing and feeling, uh, you know, these issues out. This conversation actually helped me see the issue much more clearly. Even though this isn't a political podcast, I feel like our politics are an extension of our mental health and spiritual health. You know, our inner world at some point expands into the outer world. And so I want to have more conversations like this with people willing to have tough conversations and, you know, it's different from the reactionary politics we're used to, man. I want to have actually decent conversations where we can get kind of really below the surface of things and not have, uh, you know, the left, right, uh, you know, crap. You know, we all have our different, uh, I would say, preference politically, but when it comes down to it, we're human beings. And I feel like that, um, you know, valuing each other is, is of primary importance. And it's uh, agreeing with each other is secondary. And so, hope you enjoy this episode. Like and subscribe. And I guess I'll check you later. What I was writing today, the reason why it's not unrelated is that in my own quest for, you know, spiritual wholeness and for mental wholeness, you know, I'm, I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder years back. And my quest for trying to organize myself, I, is, I've stumbled on, I guess the domain of how to look at one's life and how to organize, you know, each other's lives and, and how to, as an individual, um, be a part of the world in a way that, um, that makes sense. So we have a tremendous purpose We're we kind of discovering really what it means to be ourselves. It's a kind of a weird thing because, uh, I mean, how do you define normal? You know, how do you actually look at your circumstance, especially with you in your abnormal circumstance, like, like how do you even define what's normal? Uh, the more I've gone back in my life and the more that I've been able to really observe the, the events of my life and see, okay, this wasn't, like, this is, this is maybe abnormal or, or unhealthy, you know, seeing it in terms of health and seeing it as terms of, of truth, the way the unconscious and conscious works, I feel, feel like we have to be very, very transparent to ourselves. And so it, it fosters a sort of, um, that's why I like, you know, to me, grace and mercy is an is a essential element to healthy spirituality because it, it cultivates a proper relationship with yourself. And then, you know, through yourself, that's how you engage the world. And uh, for me, you know, it goes back into interpreting the events of my life, dating all the way back to uh, what I like to call my formative years, which is like from the time you're born, even pre-birth to like you're, when you're two or whatever. And I, yeah. and, and I, I have not had many memories dating that far back until this, until recently, you know, memory begets memory. It's like, the more you recall things, it spreads to other things before you know it, it's like everything shifts down and you, and there's another layer of your early life that you remember. And just recently, have I really begun to uh, kind of experience, you know, recollection of like my early life from, from like two and below. And it's kind of, it's kind of freaky. It's like all of a sudden there's this pop yeah. life that I feel, you know, and, and I remember talking with you and you were saying how, you know, you're, 
your journey to, to, to the States really kind of was that early. And so like when I was writing, I was like, dude, I wonder, you know, my kind of, a lot of my early experiences of feeling stability and feeling love and feeling all these things that were very positive. You know, a lot of my opposition came later in life, but, um, yes. but so just to start our conversation, man, like, um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of assumptions, a lot of things about the topic that we're going to talk about with immigration and, and, but I want to lend our, our, our conversation to it, to a very humane kind of perspective to where we can view it in a light that I don't think the conversation uh, you know, usually doesn't take place on, on the level that I want to, that I want, want to take it, you know? And so, um, so man, just start, start us off with your story. Like how early can you remember your formative years? And as you came to the States and so is there much you remember? Well, yes, actually I crossed the border when I was two years old mm-hmm. and, um, I did it just like most Mexicans do it. I literally walked across the desert, um, with my whole family. Mm-hmm. And that you could mention that as a pretty traumatic event, mm-hmm. but when you're a kid, you see it more as an adventure because mm-hmm. in your brain doesn't understand the danger of it. And when you're in your formative years, you don't have fear for many things, especially when you did grow up in a house full of love and protection mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. All we knew is we were going through a change. And then when we came here, um, I guess I'm lucky to say that in my formative years is when I came here because Mm -hmm. as I was learning to speak Spanish, I was learning to speak English. Mm -hmm. So in that essence, I feel like for me, that's a bit of an advantage. But um, my story is actually a lot like a lot of people's. And like I told you, we crossed the border and we actually got caught by immigration the first time we tried it. Mm. And back in the day, it wasn't as big of a crime to get caught crossing the border. So all they do is send you back. As soon as you're on Mexican land, they release you. Mm-hmm. Um, that has changed now mm-hmm. due to privately owned detention centers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So now if you get caught, you're going to serve at least two, three months in a detention facility or in jail. Mm-hmm. And um, that, I guess, like I said, I'm blessed to not have seen that but on our second time around it was as simple as you know what we call them is coyotes the ones that help us cross the border Mm -hmm. in my case it was a woman and what she did is she put me in a car separated me from my family at two years old and she said I'm gonna make her cross first Mm -hmm. crossing the border um when we got to the border and I remember it clear as day she had a bag of Cheetos and a bag of Fritos and she said Take your pick and stuff your mouth and just don't say anything. And I'm in the passenger seat of her truck and border patrol is like, Hey, you know, asks her for her documentation. And at that point she said I was her daughter and nobody questioned it twice. From there, I went to Phoenix, Arizona, and I stood there for about a month without my family. And mind you, like I said, as a child, you don't understand the dangers of it. But I could see that for my parents, imagine being separated from your two-year-old baby and you, you're basically putting her in the hands of somebody who you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, my coyote, she didn't have any kids. She lived a pretty wealthy lifestyle. And I guess maybe because of the trade she was doing. Um, but she brought me home with her. She didn't take me to like any of the safe houses or anything. She brought me home with her and 
she had a room ready for me. She took me to Walmart, bought me my favorite snacks. Um, she had outfits, you know, picked out at Walmart for me. And the next one across was my sister. So by the time my sister crossed, she was 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I had basically made the Coyotes house my home because as a kid, you don't know any better. You're just like, yeah, I'm here and mm-hmm. I'm getting snacks and I'm happy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but from the stories my parents tell us that 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 was some of the most trying times for them because they didn't have any phone connections to us. They, we didn't have Zoom. We didn't have FaceTime mm-hmm. and not just that crossing the border, you're not going to have those luxuries. Mm -hmm. So finally, my entire family got crossed over the same way that I did just one by one, either hiding in a trunk of a car or, Mm -hmm. you know, something. It was just easier for me because I was a child. Mm -hmm. Now I've always been a fair complexion. So nobody's ever questioned my nationality. Mm -hmm. Um, After that, the reason we came to the US was actually one of the biggest corporate companies of paper and uh, wood textiles. So anything you can think of wood related, my parents were working for them. And once again, it's just God opening doors since day one, because, and this is crazy. The reason we came over here, my parents were here first, their bosses, which at the time they didn't even know they were the bosses because they were the CEOs, you know, basically the smallest people in the company are not going to have access to CEOs. They walked into my mom's job one day and the, one of the owners is in a wheelchair. So my mom rushed to open the door for her because she's in a wheelchair. And they took that as a huge act of kindness that they weren't used to. And the next day they handed my parents a blank check and said, I need you to bring your entire family here. Yes. So that's how the process got started. My parents went back to Mexico and then the whole process of bringing us over here, it happened. Mm-hmm. When we got back to Alabama from Arizona, they obviously already had a job. The same family places in a house. My parents worked for them for about 10 years. And um, since they were a really wealthy family, they tried to give me and my siblings a different view of life. They didn't want us to live as, you know, just regular illegal immigrants. And even at the time, they tried to do it legally because they had money. They, the money was never the issue. But the thing is, the laws that were put in place were not beneficial to us. And they weren't assisting us any to try to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. So the only way to do it is doing it illegally. Mm-hmm. And this is, like I said, my parents' bosses talked to lawyers, some of the mm-hmm. biggest lawyers. And there's just no way to do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, from there on... Like I said, I was involved in from the Hispanic community. I got here and it was like a culture shock because you nobody here spoke English. And when you would see a Hispanic, it would get you excited because it's like, oh, my God, that's another one of us. <laughs> and but to see to move to Alabama and see the Hispanic community grow. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy how fast it has happened. Mm. And I won't say that everybody has been as blessed as us. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of all that, I guess we learned how to thrive, how to do things right, how to do things legally, how to put yourself out there in a way to change people's mindsets of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I won't lie, when it comes down to filling out job applications, I've always, until this day, I leave the racial split space blank. Mm -hmm. 
And I do that more so out of fear because they're going to say, oh, she's Hispanic or double question it. Mm -hmm. Number two, I didn't get my documentation. I was here as an undocumented person till 2015. Mm -hmm. So, and I graduated that year. My entire school, like our school process was we didn't have a social. So the school gave us like an assigned student number. And that's basically, we took that and ran with it. We were like, I guess this is your assigned number. And that's just what you're going to put in that place every, you know, every time you need to. And after that, 2015 is when the DREAM Act got passed, I believe, if not a little prior. Um, but throughout my elementary school, throughout middle school, throughout high school, I knew I couldn't go to college. I, that wasn't an option for me because I'm undocumented. And when DREAM Act hit, I'd already graduated and I'd already managed to land a really great job. So I did go and do the right thing. But the thing about the DREAM Act, it's a temporary solution for kids that did not choose to come here illegally. So it doesn't matter how hard you fight or how many good things you do, you can't leave the country, you can't be treated as a real citizen. Mm -hmm. And I personally know, you know, people with DREAM Act mm -hmm. or what they call DACA, they're lawyers and doctors and all this great stuff. Mm -hmm. But if that system was to come to an end, a lot of people would lose their licensing a lot of people would lose everything they've worked for. So you're still at square one. Mm -hmm. And I guess right now that's all of our fears between the Trump administration and Biden. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is I feel like the media maybe portrayed Trump in an incorrect light because he was fighting to find a permanent solution. Mm -hmm. Him being a businessman, he understood that if the DREAM Act is not going to be a permanent solution, then it's not beneficial to these doctors and lawyers and everything that there is out there because you can't even leave the country. Mm -hmm. I can't even go and get a loan on a car because my ID expires every two years mm -hmm. and every dealership and banks, they look at that and they're like, you can't guarantee that you'll be here two years from now mm -hmm. because if, if they don't approve it, you're out of luck, mm -hmm. which shouldn't be the case, mm -hmm. but unfortunately it is mm -hmm. and in the midst of coronavirus this, this was a big thing that was raised because in the front lines were a lot of DACA you mm -hmm. know recipients a lot of them and we were essential workers all of us so it's just like it's kind of hurtful that you can put so much effort into anything and like I said you could have all the money in the world people don't understand that that mm -hmm. won't buy you citizenship because mm -hmm. of the laws Mm -hmm. And that that's the tricky part. Yeah. You know, let me let me let me ask you this, because there's so many different areas that are just fascinating and that I think need uh, need conversations like this. You know, I know that um, one thing that I find really, really curious and I, I don't know how you can. How anyone. Can look at like our refugee policy regarding Cubans, you know, how, how if there was the whole thing during, uh, you know, with our fight against communism, that if you could flee Cuba, like in a raft or whatever, and get to Florida citizenship. I don't know where the, the moral principle starts where, you know, you could justify that anyone leaving any oppressed country is a refugee. You're, you know, and, and that's where for me, 
people like you value your citizenship. I mean, there's a lot of people here that don't value their, their citizenship. I mean, you know, if if anything, you want people that really value the identity of the country. And I, I think it's kind of a misconception to think that people that are, um, you know, that that are a crossing over illegally or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it, it's uh, it's strange to think that those maybe the very people that help retain the identity of America more than Americans, you know, because you actually value it, you know, uh, um, you know, so let me ask you this. So like, so for me, like I'm, I'm, I'm very much, uh, I don't try to have a political ideology. I really try to view our, you know, as a person who's been to, to five different areas in Central America on missions trips, I've really seen upfront um, a lot of the, um, degree of poverty, a lot of the conditions that anyone in their right mind who has a family, you know, in Central America or Mexico, um, anyone in their right mind would take the risk of coming here. Let me, let me ask you this, to what degree were you aware of like, that there was a degree of illegality or illegality, that's a word, um, to coming over, like, were, were you conscious from the beginning? You said that you had a sense of, of adventure. Um, was part of that the, the, the real, like, we did it sink in that, man, we by default have to go about this the way that we are, you know? And I guess, I guess it didn't really hit me mm -hmm. um, until I was in school and questions were being asked to me that mm -hmm. would never be asked to other kids. It was, like I said, crossing over wasn't. For to me, it wasn't a bad thing. Yeah. But once I started learning in school how laws worked and mm -hmm. government worked, and not just that, we had to go to ESL and everything. Mm -hmm. Usually, and also you see on the news all the time how they have, you know, um, basically roadblocks, and a lot of people getting sent back home because of that. Mm -hmm. To an extent, I feel like the act of crossing over wouldn't be illegal if there was a system set in place yeah. for us to be able not to break the law mm -hmm. it's kind of like the same same reason a lot of people leave the country to go get holistic medicine mm -hmm. only because it's not approved by the fda doesn't make it re not real mm -hmm. so yeah. in that sense technically in my opinion i don't think it's wrong but i do think it's wrong if you come in this country with an ideology Mm -hmm. that you are going to live off the system. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe 20 years ago when I crossed over, it, like I said, there weren't many Hispanics here and not many people knew about welfare in the Hispanic community. Not many people knew about WIC. But mm -hmm. I feel like nowadays, all these caravans and stuff, when they come over as refugees, they do live off of our system. Mm -hmm. And that's not just your taxpayer money, but mine as well. Mm -hmm. And that's incorrect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't think we should come in this country with the ideology of they have better benefits, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. when, like I said, basically my family's never depended on welfare. My family's never depended on it. And even when we faced hard situations, it hasn't been required. You just get another job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how, what I see, and this is just my perspective from I guess, firsthand in the Hispanic community, mm -hmm. when people come over here completely uneducated and with a complete mentality of the American dream being, oh, this country is going to give everything to me, it's wrong. 
Now, when you come in the country and say, what can I do for this country? How can I better myself in this country? That's completely different. The tricky part is figuring out who's what. Mm. And for my from my perspective, I think it's more most convenient. And it's not just because I'm part of the people that are having the problem at the moment, but we need to find a way to legalize everybody in the country currently mm-hmm. before we can open up our borders to other people. Mm. And I say our borders because like I said, I've been I've lived here long enough and mm-hmm. I've paid enough taxes to be able to feel like this is my country. Mm. In essence, there's a lot of military people fighting for our country that are on DACA as well. Mm. So this is our country. We've made it our country. Mm-hmm. The thing is, we don't want to add to the pot of the problem that's currently existing. Mm-hmm. There is a broken system in America. Mm-hmm. And it not just works for Hispanics, but for African Americans too. Communism was started the same way by making the people dependent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what's being done in this country. And a lot of, unfortunately, like I said, uneducated un- and unintellectual immigrants come in because they see the, those things that you can take advantage of it. And that, in essence, needs to be fixed to be able to clear the path for the people who do want to better their life. Wow. And I'm, I'm really impressed with your ability to really comprehend so many dynamics of what's going on in the, in the situation. I know you had to live it, but it's it's still that to free to articulate some of these things are it's so it's such a crystallized perspective. I wish more people heard it. Um, how many, you know, do a lot of people that you know that are undocumented kind of share this more complex view of the, of the situation as in, in your opinion, like people that you've met your family. Um, is there, is this, is there a, uh, you know, cause I don't think in our media undocumented people are portrayed with having kind of a pro-American view like like you do and I feel like it's very refreshing and it's very 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 fascinating uh do a lot of people share this kind of ethic this sort of belief in what the country is you know how would you I think I think it comes down to how many people have sincerely had to see the hardships mm-hmm. and actually lift them because like i said um back when i we came in wig and stuff wasn't really offered to you now mm-hmm. people that like i said that are coming in they recommend you to go ahead and pop a baby out so mm-hmm. you can start getting food stamps and that's not correct and so it's like i told you we have to clear a path of like 50 50 of people because the business people that are here, even undocumented, they would share my same perspective. It angers us that we are getting a reputation because of just a select few Mm -hmm. when there's a lot of us putting back into the system. Mm -hmm. And like I said, if you haven't worked for it, you'll never understand the value of it. And as good as these organizations are to help refugees and all this other stuff, I don't think that many organizations are giving the right advice to certain people. Um, and I feel like they should make it more accessible to where, sure, you know, like you, you get better jobs, but also we get explained or like if the system had something in place to block certain people for a certain period of time, like you have to earn it in order to get it, that would be something different, Mm -hmm. but it's more of a combination of when they get here, 
something's immediately presented to them. If you give somebody a piece of gold, they're going to immediately get excited and then tell their friend and tell their friend and tell their friend and tell their friend. Yeah. And I feel like that's the problem. Mm -hmm. So people who, who don't share my ideology, um, it's just, I hate to say it, but it's the people who literally come here and start like having all these kids that they can't afford Mm. And living in areas of town that they shouldn't be in. And they're just, like I said, when you raise somebody, it starts from your formative years. Like you said, Mm -hmm. if you can't teach these values to your kids, Mm -hmm. they're not going to understand that you have to work for things. And I blame the school systems as well, because for us in school, or at least me, um, I did go to private school some years of my life. And, but I preferred public school because of the diversity Mm -hmm. and, but also you have to take everything with a grain of salt because the diversity, once you get in school, these same kids, like what they hear in school, they go to run and tell their parents, like kids in, in my school used to brag about being on food stamps. And it's like, I did go to a high school that was more poverty stricken, but to an extent, I could never understand why able-bodied people were needing so much assistance when there's disabled people, elderly people, who genuinely need assistance and can't get it. And I feel like that's more of a problem than anything, sincerely. Yeah, no, totally. I haven't really realized the deficit of my learning until later on in life. And you realize the world is, the world is, is just not how it's portrayed, you know, in many ways, mm-hmm. maybe by necessity, they have to simplify things. Yeah. But the, you at least would like to be told there's some self-awareness in this system it says by the way you know that lets us lets you know that it's sort of an open-ended uh you know education is an open-ended thing and m- m- most of your best learning is going to be when you learn how to learn you know when you learn how to have a fascination about the world connected with your i guess um with your own personal development you know and i feel like i was kind of blessed to have OCD in lots of ways because that that really forced me to address the inward deficit that uh, once I was able to sort of begin to foster and kind of nourish myself and then I saw the world in a totally new light that I realized okay there's a lot there's, there's so much that I see now that I didn't see before um, let me ask you a question as far as your own like your own personal development I you know I would I would think that what you've been through has been um, you've had to value your surroundings and kind of be conscious of certain things. And there's a such probably a very, very unique consciousness that you have within society and within uh, in relation to how you identify yourself. Uh, you know, whether it is, and do, do you see yourself mostly as a, you know, there's so much identity of politics right now, you know, and I feel like, there's a weird kind of paradox. The more that you're able to see each other as individuals, the more that we're able to come together as a collective. As long as we have all these demographics and all these, these things that identify us based on superficial things, we then keep ourselves from coming together. Maybe it's by design, you know. But um, as far as your own personal yeah. development, like, do you, are you someone that kind of sees the necessity of a lot, a lot of the identity politics? Or are you kind of more or less like, you know, I see my, your situation may, you may see yourself as a kind of a citizen of the world, even though you feel like America with, with the way that it's formed kind of fosters 
you know, humanity in a, in a way that's very, very unique. You know, uh, you know, we are a, a nation of, of citizens that kind of have a, a certain identity into, you know, our, our, our founding and everything. And uh, I know there's a lot there, but I, I felt like as far as just your, your own, um, you know, your own formation of your own identity, like how do you see yourself and how did that develop? I guess I agree with you on the fact that I feel more of a citizen of the world. And that's more so because being raised in the South, I got this love for our nation. And I feel like the South is super patriotic. Mm -hmm. um, but I also was exposed, like I've worked for Indians for many years. I've worked for Koreans for many years. Mm -hmm. I've worked for Taiwanese for many years. Mm -hmm. And in essence, they're all immigrants. So we share mm -hmm. that, but it also opens up to the culture differences and culture similarities. Yeah. And being in America, like you said, a huge melting pot. So you have access to these things. And the thing I feel about the country is like I told you, parenting, like, oh, don't hang out with them because they're whatever, mm -hmm. you know, black, Mexican, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Well, if parents weren't to that extent, if schools weren't divided to that extent, you wouldn't have those because kids don't know the difference. Mm -hmm. You are taught as a child that you are different than me. Mm -hmm. And if you teach your kids like you got to respect them, regardless of him being a boy, a girl, black, white, Chinese, Asian, whatever, mm -hmm. those things are taught. And like I told you, for me, it's more of a sense of ignorance that fuels the whole racial fire because for mm -hmm. us or for me, I used to see how they would pick on kids for being Indian, for the way they spoke, mm -hmm. for all that good stuff. But I was never picked on, mm -hmm. you know, I won't do it now because like I said, now I, I acquired a better respect for the African-American community, but mm -hmm. I was allowed to say the N-word all over school <laughs> and nobody, nobody ever questioned it. And that was only because I guess I started with everybody since I was a puny little kid and I just grew up with everybody else. Mm -hmm. But I used to, when we used to go to ESL, my mom made it a habit. And I mean that a habit to make friends who had kids our age. That way she would have play dates and whatnot, but she would also make it a habit for them to all be diverse. My mom couldn't even speak to certain people, but they would cook together and they would learn things. Mm -hmm. And that was it. That's all you knew. You know, these people had just came to America. So we're going to give them clothes that, you know, you don't want anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just about helping people regardless of what they are. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, because of the media fueled, because of everybody's perception of what people should be, everybody's just scared or I don't know, nobody wants to jump into the whole thing and nobody genuinely wants to discuss race or differences. When, like you said, that's the only way we're going to get across stuff. I must respect your individuality and I should learn, mm -hmm. you know, what you're about. Mm -hmm. I don't have to agree with you, but I have to respect you. And that's yeah. something that even teachers, teachers were terrible. Like me, I had teachers tell me like a math teacher. She was like, what don't they teach, you know, Mexicans math. I was like, ma'am, I speak fluent English. Why are you speaking to me like this? You know, like, but it starts from there. And like I said, if you see your teachers do that, your, the, your peers are going to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's bad. Like, I feel like to an extent, 
certain races are punished more for being racist because I don't believe that whole reverse racism. If you're going to be racist, you're going to be racist. Yeah. Regardless, if you're an Asian races against an Indian or Mexican races against mm-hmm. a white person, you're still racist, bottom line. Mm-hmm. And those things aren't punished. Oh, you know, they make it excusable. Like that reverse racism, it makes it excusable because, you know, we suffered through so much. Now I get to treat your people like this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the mentality that's stuck when that has nothing to do with you and I, but mm-hmm. I'm still going to punish you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a behavior that's beat into people genuinely, mm-hmm. because like I said, from your grandma to your grandpa, they tell you your, your their experiences, but they forget to tell you that not everybody's like that. And for me, that's the biggest issue because it's all generational stuff, sincerely, mm-hmm. especially you know, here was- in the South, when it comes to like African, mm-hmm. it's all like, super super dug into their brains that you can't even speak proper because that's identifying as another race Mm -hmm. or talking white Mm -hmm. that's not instead of encouraging people to be intellectual well-spoken articulate they condemn it Mm -hmm. and that i feel like is just a domino effect of how you view everybody yeah i really feel like in my heart when it comes to these issues that the idea that the idea that you can treat evil with evil, you know, and it's good. That's insanity. Yeah. That's that to me, that is the antithesis, I think, of the post-Christian era that we're okay. entering into, that we're defining things, we're tr- trying to redefine everything. And, and that includes basic moral truths, basic things. And it's a it's corrosive to the human spirit. What's really great about America is I feel like the way that it was constructed, there was enough integrity that even in the midst of grave evil, people like Thomas Jefferson, his like original, uh, I think when he wrote the Declaration of Independence, the the original version has this big paragraph that's totally railing against slavery. And yet, you know, he he had slaves himself. And, Mm -hmm. but it it was almost like there was was enough self-awareness that they knew, okay, there are certain principles that regardless if I live up to these principles, this is right. And this is where, this is how we're going to start this country based on these principles. We're not truly living up to it right now, but we're going to work it out. Now, did they work it out correctly? You know, we, we, you know, I mean, in hindsight, we could say no, but like, it's one of those things where uh, they had self-awareness to try to try to go one route saying, you know, let's, Let's try to, to, I mean, it's, people don't realize that in order for us to get beyond slavery and try to, you know, weed ourselves off of, off of it, there was enough awareness of knowing, okay, this is, this is wrong. And we need to, we, we need to begin to phase this thing out. And that was the whole, that was, that was actually the mindset. There's, there, I think there's a real misunderstanding of the, the th- of the three fifths clause that wasn't to my knowledge to my understanding that wasn't saying that that, that a slave was three-fifths a person it was trying to give less representation so they could actually give more give more power to to the anti-slave state or the, or the you know you, they were trying to get away from slavery you know of course that approach broke down and we the country had to bathe itself in blood to try to get ourselves you know and there's a lot of controversy with that with the civil war but the bottom line is that we we've we've suffered a lot as a country and um we did a lot of things that were incorrect. There's there a lot of things we've had to work through. Progress isn't just this neat little thing that we 
all of a sudden declare some, something wrong or right and everyone gets on board and progress is messy like history is yeah. is, is is a mess human nature is a mess and yes. that that's the part of democracy or you know of a you mean of having a you know a democratic republic we're going to call it is that like we is that there's messiness to it and we have to uh you know anyway i didn't mean to rail on that but it, it's worth saying and i feel like uh yeah, this is the point. This, this is the main point I get to is that the construction of our country is one where there's underlying principles that makes it possible for the integration of different cultures to come together and yet retain the the, the basic construct of human rights, the, the, the same the same basic ideas. And so, you know, and so I mean, our founding documents, all the principles of our, of our founding. Um, those very, very things are the things that led the cause against slavery. It's how we defined, you know, I mean, our de the, the Declaration of Independence of saying that, like, you know what, our rights come from God. You know, man doesn't give, you know, we don't give rights. You know, our rights are, are, are things that we have by nature. And, you know, that sort of language, that sort of understanding that, like, essentially there is sort of a universal citizenship, but to help pr promote these ideas, we got, we we are going to we are starting a country based on on these on these ideas, and they themselves are the ideas that make it possible for many people from different cultures and uh, and beliefs to coexist. And it's a uh, they're the very principles that make it possible for us to to progress in a certain direction and to have self awareness. You know, there, there's a certain self-awareness with, with, with the way our system's set up. Now, tons of things went wrong and, you know, there's, there, it's a very complex history. You know, the, uh, the progressive era, you know, I think saw some changes, both positive and negative. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of, I think we're seeing like, for instance, like the, you know, um, some, you know, some rights do change. There is a certain evolution that happens. Like take like the, the uh, you know, like free speech, for instance, that now online, uh, you know, internet free, you know, speech is now something that can be censored in the name of private business or private corporations and stuff. And so the evolution of how things changed where I was too long on that, but I, uh, I thought it was worth mentioning the whole integration of, 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 of our society with a certain degree of universal uh, values, I think, in, in the construct of the country, you know, and I feel like, I feel like you really get that, like, you really kind of get the fact that, like, the very thing in our, in our self-interest is our mutual promotion of each other's rights, you know, there's right. a, there's like a, the, the social contract, you know, there's a certain, uh, almost agreement with, with social morality that, you know, when I, whenever I do something wrong, there's almost like a violation against myself because I'm creating kind of the instability of society. Yeah. But the problem though, is that when I think, I feel like we have, there's so many political agendas that are intentionally kind of causing instabilities and want us to be unstable, yeah. that want us to kind of come together. And I feel like the political establishment, especially has a vested interest of kind of weaponizing so many of these things. And unless you have the eyes to see it you're not you know you're not caught when you turn on the news and you hear just strife 24 7 just about you understand it because you realize okay this is this is propaganda this is this is to get us riled up at each other because as long as we're divided we're not coming together you know as long as we're divided we're not working towards 
what we need to work towards. You know, as long as they, as long as we can become reactionary to each other, all they have to do is just plant a little bait. And then we're, then we're just like, we're instinctive. We're just running up and fighting over red meat. And that's where we're at. And that's the degree of our, um, of our society. You know, spiritual experiences is, is kind of the, where we receive the, our, our greatest value. Like, like that's when we, we, we realize our deepest value. And it's like in that kind of awareness, that experience, we then can be, a, we, can be we can become a part of society kind of correctly. But the problem is, though, is that um, we have mass mindedness. We have things that take yeah. us from being an individual, you know, and, you know, spiritual experience, genuine spiritual experience, you know, it identifies you from the mass. And so you are someone who is uh, you're, you're someone defined outside of the mass. And we have so many mass mindedness or so, so much mass mindedness right now that um, I I'm very, very. I'm very impressed with your ability to kind of stay outside that and have a diverse amount of views. And uh, I feel like I've been talking for like an well, hour. Like so I said, I apologize. It's okay. I just feel like you said with, with principles lost, that's, that's where the diversity was created. Cause like you said, my individuality should not in any way threaten your individuality mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, yeah, we are taught that it does. If if you like blue, that's gonna be a problem for me because I like pink, mm. and that that shouldn't be because once again, your life has nothing to do with mine. Yet, like you said, everything's used against each other because people lack lots of identity. Mm-hmm. When people aren't straight in who they are, what they are, and that it's okay to be what they are, that's when they need to find validation in media to find validation mm-hmm. and finding more supporters or mm-hmm. finding like-minded people when it's not the best ideals instead of finding more educational routes mm-hmm. to figure out hey this diversity is okay but how can i make it better or how can i fix it mm-hmm. you know um we go as far as like you know you are anyone's allowed to join the boy scouts anyone's allowed to join major baseball leagues but divisions were created that now you have the black boy scouts of america or Mm -hmm. the black major league baseball Mm -hmm. and in that sense you're individualizing yourself because like nothing's stopping you from joining any collectiveness Mm -hmm. and if something's stopping you people like me and people like you should be able to speak up for anybody of color and say that's wrong Mm -hmm. and as a team like you said the mass mindedness is used incorrectly Mm -hmm. as a team you could fix and find solutions Mm -hmm. instead of oh i'm just gonna let them do them and be competition that that's not correct and Mm -hmm. even in the social classes you'll see that you know um I feel like everybody should be able to speak up for everybody else, but there's just such big fear of getting canceled in this huge cancel culture and everything. Nobody's genuinely speaking up for the, what they believe in. And they are following a mass mindedness because that's the safe route to go. And that's not always correct. You know, I thought about writing a book called cancer culture. Because I think that's yes. a more way of articulating the corrosiveness of our society right See, now. Yeah. You going back to what you were saying about media being able to be censored now, mm-hmm. I feel like in a sense, 
everybody complains about that, but we have culture, cancel culture going, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And once again, that's nothing related to corporate CEOs and big pharma guys, big media guys. That's nothing related to them. We're mm-hmm. creating the whole ideal and they're just taking it and using it against us. Because mm-hmm. once again, the, they are a smaller population of billionaires, CEOs, all that than there is of us. If we could all get on the same page to find a solution that benefits all of us, not just focusing on ourselves, mm-hmm. that then we would actually get somewhere. Just like the immigration issue. Mm-hmm. I can't fight for them to open the borders when I know that's a whole breach to my security. Mm-hmm. And even though I am an immigrant, I have to understand that. You mm-hmm. have to protect your borders at all times. And you can't just let everybody in. Because once again, what does that mean to taxpayers like me and you? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm a firm believer of you got to take care of yourself first to be able to take care of other people. But at the same time, you have to have the mentality that I'm doing this so I can take care of other people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's one thing that we're really lacking because we, we've drifted away from, like you said, the love of other people and actually having gods in our hearts. Um, because any religion will teach you, you're supposed to love your neighbor. It doesn't matter if you're Christian, you know, anything. You're supposed to love your neighbor. That's like one of the number one rules. The thing is, once again, people try to collect everything and don't understand that it, everything in life is a case-by-case scenario, you know? You have to take it with a grain of salt and you have to take baby steps to find solutions. Not just that, if you, if you can actually filter out as need be, you won't have all these issues. You'll get a bigger population or at least ma- b- bigger mass thinking on the positive side, on the right side, where it's going to be people that respect other people's opinion that allow other people a chance to speak, all of the above, you know? Yeah, it's really interesting because I, I, I didn't plan on getting so much in the political direction but i feel like it's 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 almost like because we don't have this conversation it naturally lately the conversation naturally leads itself to, to the tension that's there it's like it's like the void beckons us to talk about this in like a more clear way you know and i was going to say this is that um you know you're talking you know we're talking about mass minds we're, talk- we're talking about that there's there's these in the void of our, our our association with uh, with something bigger than ourselves, um, you know something because there's you know there is, there's the there's the individual and then there's the collective dimensions to our life that both give us meaning. But when we are at such a void of our individuality, um, association with a group identity is so tempting, and yeah. You know, and it's almost like I feel like the the disassociation, though, from suffering, the, the disassociation from what you're going through or um, or what is going on at the border. I mean, you're, and the, the bottom line with our border situation is that we've had a lot of problems that's just easier to not think about. It's like, you know yeah. what? Eh, got too much stuff going on, whatever. When when we have when we have we when we have just as much terrifying uh stories of of what's going on though it's like it's literally isis type type of stuff that we have going on 
I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I'm not going to go through the stories, but there's, it's easier not to think about because it's so, it would be so jarring. And one thing that I keep thinking to myself, like, because this is, you know, if I was, if, 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 if there was, if, if there was King Josh, if there was King Josh, this is how I would address the, the immigration situation. Let me, let me get your, your take on this. For me, there has to be an, an acknowledgement that people that are fleeing Central America or the, you know, below us and stuff and everything, uh, and even from all over, but mostly that is that there's, there's pretty much, it's pretty much a, a, a refugee situation. They're fleeing negative circumstances to come here. Okay. Now, in order for the system to not just collapse, for us to overnight, you know, there has to be a third way where, you know, someone can be documented. They may not have all of the rights or all of the, you know, all of the perks of citizenship, mm-hmm. but they at least can be a part of society. They can, they can be with family. They can, there's all this, this humanitarian side to it. They can be treated like a human being. Now they're not going to get free stuff. They're not going to whatever get, you know, all the things that we've Correct. made our citizenship to be, to be, which, you know, originally shouldn't be that, you know, but for me, there's, there should be this third way to where, like, Hey, you know what, let's just, let's just like chill out and let's actually, while we're working out all the details, let's actually look at the problem because it's a humanitarian problem. It's not just a, uh, it's not just a national identity situation. Like I said before, like, I feel like your situation, you value America just as much, if not more than the average person, you know, like you actually have a, a, a deep experience of what you're fleeing, you know, what's outside of America. And so when you come here, you're like, you, you have a more of an idea of, of what to value. And um, I feel like there's, there should be at least a third way to where, you know, people that are that are here un, undocumented can actually be a part of society, and uh, you know, not fear retribution, not fear, uh, and and you should be able to organize yourself in society to where, you know, you're uh, you're promoting what you believe in, and you're promoting the causes of America because obviously, you know, you you actually hold the ideals, you know, and so that that's kind of like. How do you feel about that? Because I know one criticism is that, well, we don't want to have secondary class of citizens that aren't that whatever. And it's kind of, well, that's what we have now, <laughs> you know, call it what you call it, what you want. At least we can, these yeah. people shouldn't be able to, to be, a, they're not going to be arrested. You know, they can actually be, you know, they can actually be treated like a human being. The closest thing that we have to what you're talking about would be the dream act. Mm-hmm. My issue with it is King Josh sees it as a humanitarian issue, whereas not just America's politicians, but our country's politicians as well, see a dollar bill on our forehead. Mm. And like I explained to you, 20 years ago, when I crossed the border, you just get thrown back across the border and you're good to go. Mm. But rich people figured out a way to make money off of that and and you can do the research and anybody listening can do the research they get paid per person in detention facility and they're all privately owned therefore it's not even your state you know managing these detention facilities they are privately owned corporations that are having these detention facilities mm-hmm. now that's where we blame politicians and whatnot because you have control to say no 
But when there's a financial incentive, there's no reason to find a solution. For the DREAM Act, we have to renew all our, all our documents every two years. That includes my driver's license. Whereas the average person only has to pay $35 every four years, I got to do it every two years. And that doesn't, that just does not include the cost of renewing, you know, all the other paperwork, which is upwards of $2,000. Mm-hmm. So you're making $2,000 per individual every two years on Dream Act. You, and this is why they will not find a permanent solution. Mm-hmm. Because why, it's just like cancer. Why would I cure somebody who could be a customer for life, you know? And that's exactly what they're doing. They, they and I sincerely believe that that's a big reason why immigration situations have not been fixed because it is a huge financial gain to whereas they're charging taxpayers money to keep people in detention facilities so they can pay a privately owned corporate to host these detention facilities. Mm-hmm. And that's bad because in detention facilities, you're just an inmate. The same immigrants are cleaning the jail, same immigrants are cooking. So there's no, it's all of them are understaffed. So it's like, and that that's real statistics that anybody can look up. They're understaffed, undermanned, and you just get the bare minimum. Yeah. If you're going to have a detention facility, why am I wasting taxpayer dollars on hosting somebody who's here illegally instead of just sending them right back? Yeah, That just doesn't make sense to me other than, like I said, financial gain. I think you touch on, you know, it's like every issue is it's it's. it's it's the same damn thing, man. It's like, it's almost like at somewhere there is a public private relationship to where the politicians and the people that are making the money, the the businesses have, have something worked out. And what people don't realize is that, yeah, some people have been very, very, uh, I know I used to be very, very poor, you know, pro, uh, pro capitalism. I still am. I I believe in cap capitalism is the greatest wealth creating Mm -hmm. machine we have. And there's, but there's other, you know, room for, you know, room for regulation and government. The the problem is that, is that if you are just pro business, you don't realize that business pro business, you know, the, 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 the industries of America, align themselves with the government and if you're pro-government you're you're almost like you're blind to the to that there's that alliance as well so it's almost like you have to realize that government and business are almost the same thing they practically are the same thing because they're gonna they're gonna work together and that's why for me free market capitalism is more what what i what what i like because i it's to me it's like democracy it's democracy mm-hmm. economic d- democracy where we have more of a choice of how how to form how to how to construct society the way the way that we want and we vote with our dollars you know now that's not like a that's not like the the end-all be-all solution but the more that we have that the better and that's why we don't during, during the pandemic it's been really infuriating to see small business be so uh to suffer so much and to see the big guys get uh their stocks increase and in this in small business gets 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 wrecked the big thing that I feel like with all these hot button issues right now, there is some degree of, there's some degree that we all sense something's not right. Something doesn't, doesn't make sense. Like why are we, you know, either it's d- d- diversions that we have that are issues that we realize, okay, we got people dying on the border and yet we're talking about like 
you know, fill in the blank. There's all these weird things that are where it's suffering so many attacks from so many different sides and so many different different issues. I feel like when it comes to immigration, it's one of the, one of those things that we're just not opening our eyes to just seeing that. Because even the, hearing you talk about um, the private the, the the privately owned detention centers, it's like, man, the churches should be taking these people in. You know, like you know, like 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 why aren't we more active in this and being able to say okay let's 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 actually let's actually there was footage of like kids in bubble wrap or something like that recently and i'm like what what are we doing here like what country is this you know or well, you see, know, that's the thing and people don't understand that um mm -hmm. my brother was actually in a detention facility two years ago mm -hmm. um and I'm not going to say he was there for an innocent reason. He was there because he did break a law and mm -hmm. he did pay all his fines. He went to court. He did everything the court asked him to. He actually was on probation for two years, um, changed everything on his behavior at the time where normal people go to sign off saying they're done with their court orders so their case can be dismissed. At that moment, this is after spending $10,000 in the state of Georgia and a little more over than that, giving them a fine to correct his mistake, which, like I said, he did commit a crime, mm -hmm. which was a DUI. Um, he did commit a crime. He did everything he could to do that, paid all his fines, did everything as they asked him to. The very moment that they dismissed his case, they turned him over to immigration custody. There he spent three months. And the conditions there, like I actually saw firsthand what they're like. You can't take them a jacket and it's cold, you know, like simple humanitarian stuff that should be allowed. Yeah. Why are we not allowed to take people food? Yeah. Why are we not allowed to donate to a detention facility? Yeah. Why are we not allowed to do all these things? Mm -hmm. It's almost, it's so terrible to think, but it's almost amusing to these big corporate people to see these people in cages to, you know, literally feel that power. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just not, I can't explain it to myself because mm -hmm. there were people in there for running red lights and my brother was blessed to get out in three months, but there were people who were in a detention facility upcoming two years mm -hmm. for running red lights. And once again, my taxpayer money is going to paying this person who's in it or paying the food for this person who's in a detention facility when he could already be in Mexico with his family, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's where I figured out. And I did my research. I really did do my research. And that's where I realized these are freaking privately owned corporations. And not just that, it's just like jail, the commissary for a bag of chips. is like $5, something you would pay 50 cents in mm -hmm. here in Walmart. And we know they get these things in bulk. It's not like they're just going to buy a bag of chips. Yeah. So to me, that makes no sense. It's all financial gain, all of it. I routinely like ask myself, and I don't ask myself this enough, but where do you draw the line between your inaction and action? Like, like what, what has to happen for you to do something about a problem, you know? And it, I feel like, honestly... Yeah. People don't understand how bad the situation is until somebody that you love is in that situation. Mm -hmm. And I'll use my brother's example again. The reason he didn't spend as much time where he did mm -hmm. is because we have friends who've worked at the Pentagon. 
we like I told you, we came in this country by a huge corporate family. Mm-hmm. Um, we had backup that not many others do, and that's a blessing. But if you don't have that backup, you're pretty much screwed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. once again, people don't care unless it's somebody they love, unless it's somebody that they know that is experiencing it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And the reason not so many people experience it firsthand, and I'm not going to make immigrants out as holy. Mm-hmm. is because we do walk on eggshells when we're in this country. Mm-hmm. We avoid taking unnecessary freaking trips to the grocery store because of the fear of getting pulled over. Yeah. What's really infuriating about this whole thing is that you will have a large part of the country that during the Trump years weaponized this issue so much that they sharpen it to a, to, to a razor, like just, just, just to slice and dice everything that Donald Trump did. Biden gets in office same damn thing and it, like no one says this says a damn word and it's kind of like it's like okay so there, there's human rights violations under one president and then all you got to do is switch switch out the guy have have a different letter next to his name and all of a sudden oh human rights just evaporated like you, you can you can imagine all of a sudden unicorns and butterflies on the border and all of a sudden everything just turns into heaven on earth and it's kind of like yeah. that right there now, i'll is, go back to this thing Mm -hmm. One of Biden's promises to get an office was that he was going to do an immigration reform in his first 100 days. Mm. And I know this clearly because I'm an immigrant, so it interests me. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, though. The last press release that I remember watching is, and I swear to you, it enraged me so much. Mm -hmm. If you've had the DREAM Act for 10 years, you Mm -hmm. may be eligible for residency. But if you go and you become a freaking agriculture farmer getting paid $2 an hour, they'll give it to you in five years. You tell me if that's not financially fueled. And that's through the Biden administration. And that's something nobody's talking about. That to me, that's saying, if you will be my slave for five years, I'll give you an incentive to be my slave for five years. Because we all know the conditions of working in agriculture are not the best. And like people, like I said, the lawyers, the doctors, the people like me that are licensed through the state for insurance. Mm -hmm. What about us? We worked hard, but you're telling me that if I don't abide to your slavery tactics, that I will not be or receive that incentive. Even though I went and got an education, I am a taxpayer, all of this, they are, everything's financially fueled and that, like you said, it's infuriating. Dude, it's, it is tell you the truth like and i'm even guilty of this i'm i'm even guilty of oversimplifying this, the situation because there's you know there is a part of i would say the whole immigration argument that kind of dehumanizes the the because you're like oh they, they cross the border you know whatever you know well you know they get what they get whatever they get you know and it's like like I said, it's easier to, to disassociate from the human struggle of it mm-hmm. and to somehow think that you, that you just, you know, you know, I did nothing to earn my, my citizenship. I was born here, you know, and I, whatever it's like, I, I won the lottery by some fluke, you know, like I could have been some person in, you know, Siberia somewhere, you know, trying to get over here. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, you know, and it's kind of like the least I can have is a certain awareness that, you know what? I'm no different from anybody else, 
You know, I, you know, I, I don't by nature, I'm not by nature more superior than anybody else. You know, it goes back to the kind of the, 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 the founding belief that all men are created equal, you know, and it's, you know, and I know that that's, that's, it's almost a phrase now that seems kind of cringeworthy because we have, we hear and feel so much uh, opposition towards that idea, but it's a fundamental idea that we have, it's even to our self benefit to, to maintain that belief. Because as long as I, as long as I can maintain that belief within myself, it's, it's, it's a, it's almost a unconscious communication of, of my own worth of myself, because, you know, it's projection works like that. If I hate myself, I'm, I'm going to hate other people, you know, and I'm going to, because I see the world through the prism of myself and the whole idea of men being created equal. It's almost like trying to esteem your own value by saying, you know, like there's a connection, whatever's outside you, you're not to be their servant in a sense, and they're not to serve you. They're supposed to be kind of like a mutual benefit to our kindness to each other. Uh, and as, as, as I'm hearing this, it's, it's almost like it's really tempting to get more active in this because, uh, I mean, what difference is what's happening right now to, to a concentration camp? Exactly. You know? you know, I mean, like, am I just, just living my life? We got Auschwitz happening, you know, and it's just, you know, it's kind of like, not, and I'm not saying the abuses are like that. I mean, I'm not going to, not going to go crazy, but the problem is that how would I know? You know, to what degree has, does, does evil have to advance itself and I stay inactive? Like, it shouldn't be better that, like, we don't have a pile of dead bodies. We're not torturing people. How about we, 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 we act before that happens <laughs> or whatever the next egregious act is or before it gets worse? Why do we have to wait till something is Nazi Germany to all of a sudden, oh, okay, now we got we, we to we, we go help this out now. It's like, well, I prefer nipping it in the bud as soon as there's a violation of any sort of human rights violation within our own country to anybody we have to act because that's what we do that's what america does and for me to not act it's a it's it is is it communicates a self-hatred for our own country for for my own you know when we really value this country we value each other and you know and the thing is, politicians will preach a certain thing. It, things, things will sound good. Things will sound like, oh, we're coming together. We're doing this. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like not a damn thing changes. You know, it, it just it's all just words that sound good. Get you to be warm and fuzzy. Like I said, you get you got get, get the unicorns going. You got the butterflies, the rainbows. You got, you know, you got, you got fairyland now because, you know, someone gets an office that is, you know, more aligned to your ideology. You just pretend that now for four years, everything's going to be perfect. And so we pretend like we pretend like there's Jesus Christ in the white house, you know, and it's, uh, it's the furthest thing from, from reality. And this goes for, you know, I mean, I was very conflicted with, with, with Trump, you know, I wasn't like the biggest Trump person, um, you know, but it's like, it's one of those things where when you see a portion of America not be able to even be objective that every single thing that comes out of their mouth is just negative about someone. And you see blatant propaganda, things that are blatantly untrue. Of course, they, they never correct, they never correct, uh, you know, like misstatements or stories that, that you know, there was just so much tr- trash that came out. And it was kind of like, dude, man, just like, 
if you know if he's this bad like i can figure it out like the more that you tell me something is evil and you you know have such a forced agenda i distrust you <laughs> you know i distrust you know and that's that's how i kind of i came to to really kind of beginning to really see things because because i because i i really really saw and perceived just the blatant i mean the thing that did it for me and this is kind of controversial but the thing that really did it for me was when the pandi- pandemic happened and Donald Trump just kind of passively mentioned, hey, we've, there's apparently a, a medication that's showing some signs. It's called hydroxychloroquine. And the whole media explodes in opposition towards this drug. And it's like, you know, it's it's not a miracle cure. It's And I even was on social media saying, listen, dude, like, I don't know what's happening right now, but we're seeing a, a targeted assassination of this of this drug that you know does it work does it not work there's mixed data there was even something published in, in, in the lancet that was like retracted so it's like okay so you got medical journals having to retract statements about things there's some you know there's there's, there's a word i want to use it's uh it's, it rhymes with smuckery <laughs> you know it goes back to what you were saying about with with when money is involved when everyone's got Moderna stock and everyone has, it's like, you see money exchanging hands and it's kind of like, there is, you see the establishment wake itself up to where there is just this, you know, one week we're saying we, we got to lock ourselves down, wear three masks. Yes. And then, and then, then George Floyd dies and everyone organizes around that and everyone get out in the street protest. It's like, okay. What's happening there? Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to, to BLM. There's a lot of things with BLM that I actually, I actually support, you know, but there was yeah. a targeted, there was like, what's going on here? Like, like this is a pandemic and all of a sudden you're encouraging all of us to protest. It's kind of like, I, you know, like there's some real weirdness happening there. And I'm still kind of, I'm so I, I have some ideas, but I don't like to publicly. We go back, we go back to the thing that we were saying that how, how long do we wait until we do something? Mm-hmm. And even the George Floyd situation, in my opinion, sincerely, if I would have been there, I would have been dead with him because I'm not going to let that happen. If I see it, I'll go shove the officer. I won't assault him, but I'll move him. Shoot me if you want to. Yeah. Plenty of people asked you to stop. Please get off him. Yet people stood there and did nothing. And that's infuriating for me. Because like I said, if I was there, I'm sorry. I'm giving my life for what I think is right. And I know that is not right to murder somebody. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like you said, everything happens with an agenda. And they know how to push fear into people and how to make that mass mindedness and use it in other directions Mm -hmm. it's like if something big happens whether it be in the news or politics or something Mm -hmm. if there's always something whether it be gossip or the new kardashians but or what there's something gonna be that's distracting you from what's genuinely happening and this happened for ages and like you said Mm -hmm. at what point does the do the people become aware that it is an agenda that not everything we see on tv is real yeah that it's cut into bits and pieces of what they want you to see there's almost like this consciousness where just as an experiment just kind of run with this idea i may not even agree with it i just it's an idea but you know from the advent of television and the advent of 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 the internet of us being exposed to so much footage of so much 
so much things that are happening. We almost see reality now in the frame of a screen to when, it, to when evil happens, instead of us doing something about it, we do this. It's kind of like, it's yeah. like, it's like we're living through this thing or like, like this is, this is our reality. And like, instead of, it used to be where we oh take things in and we actually use our conscience or we use, we use our heart, our soul. The first thing is that, is that mass mindedness. Like this right here, there's billions of people that, that, that at any moment can value my life more than I do. And it's like the drug, this thing's a drug. It's, it's something that yeah. if we are to witness something in real time, our, a lot of people's reaction isn't to do something other than, oh, let's get, let me let's see how many, how many likes and follows I can get by, by capturing on, on, on my phone. And, you know, like I've made it like you and the thing is you have to have momentum with this sort of ethic with being active. You have to do it in little things. And, um, you know, when I began to be kind of more just self-aware of my own self, um, you know, you naturally you feel you, you you become kind of an empath. You really empathize with the people around you. I can remember at one point, like it was just it was just like a natural reaction that. I was, you know, I, I remember I was in traffic one time and I saw a car accident and within seconds, I just knew 911, bam, get on it, you know? And it's like, now it's almost like I know now, like I've, I've, I have enough awareness and I've done it a few times when I've seen car accidents, even when I've gotten in, in things that are, are, are suspect that my first response is 911, bam, be the person that calls 911, get used to that because at some point you're going to be the person that is actually needs help and you're going to wish that someone dialed that number and you just hope there's a little bit of karma you released into the world you know that you've you've that someone helps you when you need help you know it's like to, to imagine that you're the person suffering in that, see, that that's the thing that's wrong with us we're so stuck to our phone we're gonna believe a million times what our phone what our tv says before we actually go speak to an immigrant and ask them, how'd you get here? Tell me your story. You know, a lot of people, like I tell you, I don't put my race on work applications at my current job. I've been there for three years and they actually just found out that I'm partially undocumented. I mean, they have my social, they have, you know, my IDs because right now I have the dream act. But when I started telling them my, you know, exactly that I'm not really documented because I travel a lot and they're like, well, why don't you ever travel out the country? Well, I can't, <laughs> you know, doesn't matter how much money I have or what I make. I can't mm -hmm. because once again, we go back to modern day slavery. I'm here to work. I'm here to make money for the country, not be out somewhere enjoying my life, yeah. you know, and that's sad also to believe that you put your hard work and labor into the country and that's just it. And people until they start opening up to real conversations with real people and their real situations, yeah. they're just going to be stuck to the phone. And we've been taught because of America that a lot of things are taboo, whether it be talking about your paid wage. Like, mm -hmm. I realize here that that's a big thing. Like you, you shouldn't tell people how much you make or, you know, especially if you work in the same company, nobody should know what you make. And in my opinion, that is just to literally block each other. You know, like it's competition with within the company mm -hmm. as well as corporate, not wanting you to aspire for more by not letting you know what your coworkers making. Simple as that. All of these things are made into taboos. Like, 
you don't ask people certain questions. It's how you say stuff, not what you say. If you approach me and you want to know my full life story, that is awesome. And I'm going to tell you because maybe you'll learn something from me. But we're taught that lots of stuff shouldn't be spoken of. And that that's not right. The stuff that they tell you not to talk about is the stuff you should be curious of. 100%. That's that. And that's, that's really, that's really crucial. It's almost like this, that a media and a political class that as a normal constantly lies and constantly isn't even now trying to even cover things up. It's almost like they, there's, there's, there's blatant untruths. There's blatant shielding of what's actually happening. That fosters conspiracy. That that we have no other choice than to say, okay, what what what's re- what's really going on here? You know, what's what's really and that right there. I find it hard to believe that the political establishment and the media class and everyone, you know, human nature can't, you know, that doesn't have that much control over people. They can only do it for a certain amount of time. And yet it breaks out in unpredictable ways. And they even say, too, that, you know, it only takes a certain portion of society to transform society. Uh, enough people that, that are that are that are um, really enlightened, you know, to 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 act. And, and and I just hope that we can begin to foster people that actually don't just have loud opinions on Twitter. But their their loud their loud opinions are in their in their actions. Their convictions are channeled into what they actually do. Uh, because because I mean honestly, there's a lot of people that they just go they just go with the flow. They go with the trend. You know whatever is easy. There's no moral courage. It's all about angling. Okay, how do I look? You know, am I am, am I going to be? Uh, you know, am I going to be with the trend where I look like I'm, I'm moral? I don't know. It's selfie culture. You know, it's like you're, you know, it's like you're, 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 you would rather take a selfie of you saving a guy's life than to actually be giving him CPR. People would, would value the image of being a hero than actually being a hero. And it's that like, you know, it, we need more people that actually have an identify with taking action, identify with, and being aware that it's that ability to connect with your own your own ability to be to be the world of the hero that the world needs, and it's like when you awaken yourself up to a higher purpose of of being someone more than just what what is being fed to to the masses, you know, being someone who transcends the mass mindedness that you're you're a person of action. Your person of individual conviction that yeah there may be some some things with the mass that that you have enough clarity of perception to say yeah that's right but you also know where it goes wrong and right now especially in the immigration yeah. situation something is drastically wrong something is so wrong right now that this should be the th- there should there there should be groups of people camped outside these detention centers demanding that they, that they be closed demanding that that there is. Uh, action immediate action taken and that's why like i was saying it's tempted to actually get active with this and I'm, i may do some research on this and stuff because there's a red line there good my, my advice would be and i i even tell my african-american friends that are fighting in the blm movement 
the same thing as I would tell an immigrant. We need to become prepared for the time where we have our chance to speak. You, you can protest all you want. You can, you know, go camp out all you want. And I, I'm not knocking it. Yes, that does cause change. But when you become educated in certain aspects, mm-hmm. when you place yourself in a position of people with authority and power, they have no choice but to listen. And I may not think that I'm Hispanic, but when I get the chance to speak, I'm going to make my voice heard. And I've done it with plenty of people. And that's why they changed their mind. They're like, oh, my God, I didn't know this was a real issue. I thought this was like in movies. No, sir. That's the real life. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to work hard and become what you want to be. Mm-hmm. But in that process, figure out how to literally you can't beat them join them. I'm going to become one of the people in power to be able to make decisions to change my community. And by that, you have to surround yourself with friends who are in people of power, mayors, everything. And every chance I get, I do speak on it. And I will keep changing people's minds. Because like I said, between my work ethic, between my patriotism, between everything, you wouldn't expect me to be an undocumented immigrant. But as I'm showing you how I am and how I come, you are going to respect the fact, like you said, you value the citizenship more than anybody in this country. You are willing to fight for the country in all sense of the word, not just on an undocumented person's note, because what affects everybody, my BLM people and everybody else, it affects me big time because they're all my family. And I've put myself in a diverse position to understand them and that's why I can speak for these matters but I feel like people are so quick to jump on their emotions and not sincerely fight for change in the right ways Mm -hmm. if we like I said if we formulated a way to talk to every single mayor in the city or in the state of Alabama Mm -hmm. every single town hall and actually write letters to them explaining stories situations and realities stuff is prone to change we start exposing all these corporate privately owned detention centers that's how we will change but until people don't want to do the homework i i really see it difficult and i see a lot of work that needs to be done but instead of encouraging people to go out and protest that's that's what i would prefer to do encourage people to sincerely like you said reach out to your pastor and tell them this is a situation that i'm worried about this is a situation that should affect us and the church and everything yeah and once you see people that don't start to move expose those people too and i'm not talking about our castle but really put them in the spotlight of saying are you living by your principle that's how i feel we can genuinely rise to the top man this has really been like a different conversation than i thought would happen you know like i you know my 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 podcast and what when what i want to do is you know it's weird there's so many different things that i want to do through my podcast and one thing is you know it all comes back to kind of my story but like as it extends into different things within within the world. So it's not just my story. It's I mean, it's, it's you know, for me, it's my it's my story 
but realizing that my story is a part of a, a bigger story. My first portion of my story that I want to tell is in a, is in a series that I'm, that, that, I'm, that I'm calling Defect in how I wrestle with my own humanity, my own, you know, sense of, of you know, of, of defect within myself and how kind of like me, me covering up my, my vulnerability is the thing that actually created a lot of my OCD stuff. And it's like being able to, to come to terms with who I am as an individual. And then, um, but the extension of this isn't, is, is, you know, once you feel your cup is full, it then mm. overflows into, into what you can give to other people, you know, and there's a, there's a great engagement that I feel is j not just about my story. I feel like my story is just one kind of, I just one, you know, and I got, got to really thinking about things. There's a lot of fascinating stuff that, you know, I've learned with, with through conversations, people really find fascinating and want to hear about. And, but it's kind of, a, there's so many different ways that I want to go into different things in, in, in a unpredictable way. And I feel like everything is so predictable with our, with what's happening in the news, these issues, it's the talking points. And there's so much humanity into what is happening in our world. And because we're so desensitized from ourselves mm -hmm. and not in touch with who we are as people, the byproduct of that is us not being in touch with our fellow man. And, and there's, you know, every, everything is sort of through the lens of what's comfortable and what we want to believe rather than what's actually happening. These detention center centers, are they like in every state or are they certain? Um, no, they are in bigger cities. I know we have one or two in Louisiana mm -hmm. and we have three of the worst detention facilities in the country in Georgia. Um, and when I mean the worst, it's stuff you don't hear about suicide rates in there. They'll hide that in the media. Um, people dying of pneumonia, because like I told you, you can't even take your people jackets, you know, like all, there's so much going on that nobody knows of because it's always covered up. And um, if you want, I'll send you all this, the research that I've done and like links and stuff like yeah. it's so bad that even Yelp reviews will tell the stories, but nobody's listening. Even Google reviews in these detention facilities tell the stories of real people and nobody's listening. I definitely want, want to hear and look over what, what you have because uh, I, I, I haven't even heard of that. I'm, I'm a person who likes to stay pretty informed on things, you know, like mm -hmm. like there's um, that's I mean, that's honestly that is uh, there's a real call to action right there. Honestly, I had no idea that people are, are dying in these, in these in these centers and stuff. You know, it's I, kids have gone missing from these centers and you can't do anything because it's not an American citizen. Therefore, it's nothing that involves the police. Yeah. Simple as that. Um, there's kids that are on a daily basis making claims of being molested and they're being proof yeah. and people aren't speaking on it. Another thing, if a detention facility is just a detention facility, why are you splitting up families? If yeah. you're going to detain them together, yeah. a parent would like to at least witness that their kid is alive and well, instead yeah. of one day getting the phone call saying, oh, they died of natural causes yeah. or, oh, we lost the kid. Yeah. And that's been, something that's, that's been in effect for a while. And I don't know, there's a real breakdown 
from what's happening right now with our with immigrate with what's happening in these centers and i mean the the even the like the politics of it like it's one of those things where i mean i don't know what that's all about because you can have either one we're being blatantly lied to by by our leaders or two there is just a breakdown of power like because there are private run facilities that maybe there's uh they're like well we'll do we'll do what we want and there's just not enough i don't know oversight or something i i don't know like i don't know what's going on there like that's really uh because i mean and yeah. like i told you um the research that i've done and what i've learned and i've actually researched a few jails as well it's somebody some big company buys a prison detention facility whichever one and they apply for state funding state Funding is approved, obviously, per head and per inmate. So in that case, it's still ran by the state. It's being funded by taxpayer dollars. Mm. And what's sad is instead of these big companies, okay, maybe we're making money off the immigrants or anything, they're using our same taxpayer dollars to do all this horrible, inhumane stuff. And on top of that, they're still getting money on the other end from all the inmates' families and stuff. So it's just a big pile of making people rich and nobody really having regulations, you know? Yeah. Wow, man. It's a... Man, yeah, I... It, man, that's there's there's so many. It's, it's overwhelming, man. I mean, I mean, and it's unless you know really how to like process that. It's I mean, I, that's that's the thing. You know, human suffering is something that we're not meant to process it. <laughs> you know, it's like how do you? There's so much suffering in the world. Like, how do you possibly relate with it? And it's like, it's almost like, but you have to try because that's the very thing that you realize that if you have the power to influence something, I mean, you're just, your ability to, to just care about what's happening outside yourself. To me, if like, if, if you don't have that, like, like I said, like I said earlier, man, there's like a form of self-hatred there. There's a form of like, I'm going to be so numb. I'm going to numb myself to my own conscience, my own ability to, to be in tune with my surroundings. And I've been guilty of tuning out, honestly, you know, it's like, and I'm, and I'm, I'm trying my best to learn and be open to ways that I can be more in tune to how I can actually be effective. Um, I wasn't going to mention this, but you know, like I, uh, like I said, I was kind of, I was, I was someone, a very reluctant Trump supporter. Like I said, when I saw everyone lying about things and really just some real weird things happening during the summer. Um, and I knew early on there was issues with, with mail and voting and stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, I actually, I was there January 6th at, at the Capitol, you know, and I got to witness what happened and I got to witness how, when we deviate slightly, things quickly turn bad, you know, and how there's, there's almost more of a, you have to, you if, if you're going to go against, against the system or what's happening, you almost have to be so mindful that you're not going to go in and do things arrogantly because arrogance turns into recklessness. Recklessness turns into 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 violence. I believe in the 
you know, non-aggression principle. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very fierce advocate for, for the approach of Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi, you know, and, and the, this, just the, the idea that, you know, you don't, you don't make a situation good by doing evil, you know, and I, I know there's a justification right. of, of, you know, the ends justifies the means to where, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help burn down the system to get back at the man, you know, or that somehow I'm going to, you know, like I, when I was there in Washington, I witnessed a lot of different kinds of people. Most of them were really, were really patriotic people that just were, just were concerned. But I, I actually almost got into a fight with, with a person that was, I don't know if he was a plant or if, if he was someone who genuinely was a far right person who was unhinged, you know, and, and, uh, to say that I felt in, in, you know, around people that were like my kind of people, I wouldn't really say that. And I'm, I'm kind of a weird guy. So I don't really fit in with, 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 with most groups, but my choice to go there was, you know, I, I'm going to support the, the cause here that there, there needs to be like, like what's going on. If, our democracy is so important that once we de once we devalue what's happening in, within our elections and stuff, the country's gone. You know, it's it, for me, it was kind of like, you know, man, like this is where I begin to be at more active, where I'm going to stand with people that have this, this concern. I'm not going to, you know, I don't believe in all the crazy theories, but like I believe in valuing democracy in, in an in a unprecedented year of a pandemic. We have what's, what's said to be the most important election of our lifetime. The least we can do is get the election right. You know, at least we can do is make sure that, but you know, both sides. Once, they, yeah. once again, like you said, they were um, actually instigating the BLM riots. They were, yeah. you know, telling people to come out, protest for what's right, which, like I said, I don't have anything wrong with it. Yeah. But at the same time, if we can tell people to come out and protest for any cause, regardless of what it is, then people should be able to come out and vote, especially because we've been doing that system for years. It's worked for years and it's just not in any way, form or fashion. And this is just because I know how the mail runs going to be legal that these all these mail-in ballots actually made it to where they were supposed to make it. I have gotten letters from two years later. It's like this thing got lost in the mail and postmark data is there from 2018. Imagine so the mail-in ballots. Our, our postal service, unfortunately, is not perfect. Once again, though, it's not their job to carry the weight of an election on their shoulders. This is why I think it was so important to actually go to the polls. And if you cared for your country, you would wear your mask and you'd take your hand sanitizer and you'd go vote instead of trying to make a completely fraudulent election. So, yeah, I don't know. In my opinion, like we were saying, it's all an agenda being pushed and people are so ignorant to the fact that, and I spoke to so many people because I'm, I'm controversial. And like I told you, I ask questions that shouldn't be asked. I'm going to ask you how much you make. I don't care because it's not going to affect me either way. And I'm not going to be jealous of you. So a lot of my friends, and I dare say 75% of my peer group told me, and in their exact words, that they voted for Biden 
just because they didn't like Trump, not because they agreed with his ideologies, not because of anything, but completely media fueled hatred. And to me, that was baffling because I, and at the moment I told him as well, you know, how patriotic is that really when you're not doing what's best for the country, you're doing something just because you dislike somebody. Mm-hmm. And that in itself, it's it for all four years, they tried to do everything they could to put Trump in a bad light. Yeah. And once again, if he were to have failed in anything that he said, we would have seen it. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you can hide. He's a president. He's the president or was the president. But yet people are willing to believe something that has no concrete backup, such as media. And yeah. that I feel like is dangerous. It, absolutely. What well, we see a uh, an organized establishment that essentially has so much of a control over the, the a portion of the population that can get them to basically believe most anything uh and 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 can can publish things blatantly untrue and will, won't retract it they will set the fire let it burn let it burn out and oh yeah and then on 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 the back page of of the new york times oh yeah by the way that was you know they may retract it like after they've done all the damage uh, yeah. you know, like, I mean, I mean, like, like I said before, like, like I'm not, I'm not a big Trump guy. I wasn't, I was forced to become a Trump supporter essentially because my conscience was like, this is wrong. It, Trump, Trump's Trump's a jerk. Like he's not a, he's not like what I consider like a, a great guy, you know, but you know, and it's kind of like thing is though, is that he's not, he's not the, this, this establishment that, is blatantly manipulating our society, and that that and that's that. And one of the reasons why I believe they came against Trump so bad too is that he was one of the genuine. He was a genuine outsider. Once you let one one outsider in, and that becomes a, a precedent, kiss your whole system goodbye. They were like, "This is the this is the the only outsider that 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 needs to happen." Like they, I mean, they they probably assumed that Hillary was going to win in, 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 you know, 2016 or whatever. And I think that this, you know, it snuck by them and they were like, okay, all hands on deck. And that's what it looked like. It looked like that basically for even before you assumed office, there was scandal, impeachment, lot, whatever, whatever. M- meanwhile, meanwhile, the economy is looking pretty good. His, 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 his election, his reelection is actually looking pretty good. Uh, there is just, let's just say at this point, like, I'm not surprised at what lengths, if they're willing to do and say what they've already done and said, and it's not effective, do you really expect me to believe that, that, that during this 2020, that everything was on the, on the, on the up and up, almost any conspiracy theory that you can come up with is almost justifiable. Now, I'm not saying it's true, but I'm saying that, like, I actually can, can see why someone would actually believe a lot of things about what happened. In, in 2020 and uh you know i have an open mind because we can blatantly see that we're being messed with we're blatantly seeing that you know one year there's an immigration uh violation that trump is is you know got got nazi germany you know happening and, and he's hitler and then a, a, another person assumes office and it's like 
you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's the same. It's like, it's, it's even worse, you know? And it's like yeah. one, you know, you're, you're blatantly are telling me this is happening one year and then a different year, different elect or, you know, different person holding office. And, and then it's just evaporated. It's just, it's just there's, it's those sort of bleak kind are blatant, um, contradictions or there's this blatant things that you can say okay there's something happening right now that to what degree am i being deceived and i fear that it runs really deep i really i really fear that and i feel like it's kind of destructive to be too conspiracy minded because i feel like conspiracy theory theories or conspiracy theoryism is almost like an ideology itself because once you just trust one piece of information it's like the, the mind thinks in patterns. It's almost like you begin to have this compulsion to doubt everything. And it's a, it's a dangerous thing, but we're forced to, to, to conspire in some degree because we're, we see blatant untruths. We see blatant violate. And, and like I said, it's like your, 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 the basic human response to, to, to being lied to is well, okay. So what is the truth? You know, what, and you know, I honestly, I, I don't know how much I'm actually going to use this portion of it because I, I, I just I don't know what I don't know what I what I even can be said anymore. You know, and I feel like that with whatever platform I can cultivate, though, I want to be the a person that that is speaking truth to power, that, that is actually trying to make a difference. And uh I think we're, we, we, we've, I fear we've reached a part in our, in our, you know, a part in our history right now that, I mean, we're entering into Orwellian times. There's this, this feeling in my gut that something's not right. And I, and I have to do it or I can, I, and for me, that, that immediately goes towards more of a spiritual condition because I got, I got to bring to my country, my wholeness. I can't bring to it my agenda. Because for me, it's I don't really have a political agenda. I just hate human suffering, and I want to prevent human suffering. I want, and, and that either that goes into spiritual suffering, mental suffering, or actual physical suffering, whether it, it, in, a, in a detention camp or whatever, or center, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I think that's that is anyone's practical and I think expected duty to not only their country but themselves. You know. <laughs> Period. absolutely yeah <laughs> i do but i feel like a lot of things um aside from fear well a lot of things are fear fueled because even simple stuff is like inventions if you invent something cool then all of a sudden you got the government at your doorstep telling you not to use that yeah and I feel like the same, it, it works the same when it comes to all these controversial issues. If you start making ripples in the water too big, you will get a knock at your door. And they're going to find, because none of us are perfect. They're going to find something to either put you in jail for or just to make you disappear, which sucks. But once we start, like I tell you, gaining that intellectuality of being able to change people's minds, by living our life like you said even our spirituality if you are a good person like they and it's happened to me so much people do not put that good people and undocumented people could be one yeah. like 
yeah, I'm a good person and I'm undocumented, yeah. you know, yeah. only because I broke a law unconsciously when I was two years old does not make me a criminal. Yeah. Yet yeah. people associate or can't associate those two things. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like you said, the spirituality comes in. Yeah. You have yeah. to love your neighbor. You have to be able to speak truth to your neighbor as well. Mm-hmm. And vice versa listen to people ask questions learn new things and the changes you can make praying for people you know like i said talking to these people of authority the pastors everything all that the way you carry yourself will make it to where people can't ignore the fact that you're there when you make yourself necessary as well people cannot ignore the fact that you're there yeah and that's that's the the most important part for like you like i feel like this podcast in itself is is something great because even if only five people listen to it they're gonna learn something new and they're gonna get a completely different perspective than they probably would have had and yeah. stuff like this that's non-violent like you said that's you know not crazy controversial this is gonna get us a lot further because mm-hmm. it's educating people. It's explaining and telling real stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're doing great. We're, we'll make a change. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You know, and let's, I definitely want to stay in touch with you and like as as it as the story develops and, and the situation develops. I mean, and you know, I definitely think would uh, I'm being interested in staying in touch and you know maybe us following up and stuff because this is really a. Uh, I don't think it's unfortunate. It's not going away anytime soon. People, at least in my circle of, of influence, you know, can can get a perspective that I think is needs to be heard. You, man, you really uh, have gone way beyond my wildest expectations of, of just of just substance. You know, not not that I was judging you or anything. You know, man. I mean, maybe I was. I don't know. You know, but like I'm just so. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just really, I'm so impressed and so blessed. And uh, it's a privilege to, to, you know, to know you and, and to be able to have this conversation and to maybe make a, a difference. I feel like believers are really, you know, where was the church at last year? Like all of a sudden it's like, you can't go to church. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, they're really, there has to be a, a degree where you're like, you know what? Um, you know, there is, there is civil disobedience. I mean, there is, goes back to Martin Luther King Jr., man. There's times where, you know, you're, it's nonviolent. You're, you're very poised and, and you, you, you have very, you have great self-control, but your actions, you, 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 you act, you actually do things and you do it against power and say, you know what, find me. I won't pay the fine. Put them in jail. That's fine. You know, it's like, yeah, they're, they're, that's exactly what I was going to get at. The moment we can figure out how to financially and put a stop to it, like you said, I'm not going to pay this fine. And it's 50,000 of us that say we're not going to pay this fine mm-hmm. because I'm not going to keep feeling the problem. Yeah. Once we figure out how to avoid our tax dollars being able to fund these corporate as companies, then we will genuinely make a change. And by doing that, like you basically cut them off. Yeah. They will have no choice but to reform. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we have to get away from this, this, from America being a 
figment of our imagination. You know, there's like that, the whole notion of like, you know, uh, it can't happen here, you know, communism and stuff and things that like, you know, uh, there's just this belief that we're invisible. And the, the problem is a lot, a lot of the ideas and the ideological ideas have, are now permeating our culture to where it's paralyzing us to actually, to actually act, you know, to actually act and, and, and have confidence in our actions. Like, I mean, confidence alone and, 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 uh, without it being arrogance is rare to find in our society, you know, and it's, it's, I really feel like, man, that we can, uh, as individuals cultivate this, this honesty with ourselves to where America to us is something that resembles something that maybe it never lived up to its ideals, but you know what, we have to try and we have to, you know, we, we have to make the effort to value each other as equals. And we have to kind of develop that idea. It's, you know, there, there, there's variations of the American idea that are eternal because that was the way it was founded. It was founded on, on, on ideas that give us the definition of human rights. You know, the very definition of, of the rights of man are baked into what this country was founded on. And as soon as you re remove our founding and, and dis, you know, just totally uh, undermine it the way that, that it's been. You actually undermine itself, human rights itself. All rights go with it. And then now you can make the country in whatever image you want because human rights isn't standing in the way. And you know what? Human rights is not standing in the way right now with immigration. And uh, we, have to be, we, we have to be alert and aware. And, uh, you know, man, I really uh, thank you for coming on. And I really, let's, let's stay in touch.